least when we think about our life, when we think about where we've been, some of us dark places, some of us bad places. God, you make us survivors, and we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus who brought that possibility. And we pray this morning as we have communion, as we hear your word, that we might see him. That we might see him lifted up as he is, who he is, the greatness of who he is, your son, the one who came for us and made us survivors. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Joe and Tara. I've locked into that song the last month, too, and it just grips me every time I, I sing it. You know how you lock into one song and you just you go with it for a couple months? So last week we talked about the priority of sanctification, and we talked about salvation being a gift, remember? And that gift came in a package inside what made it possible was the cross and that's what we focus in on today in communion I didn't sell it on eBay I probably couldn't have got anything for it but you know today we'll see there's something else in there that's a gift so we have justification and I have a couple of uh, diagrams that I think point to what I was talking about last week. And for those of you who weren't here, this will be good, not review, but introduction. So justification, right, that's part of the package. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, what we're talking about today and last week, we're saved from the power of sin. Now remember, this is part of sanctification. It's beautiful because we were sanctified. We have been sanctified. There's positional sanctification. It's almost the same as justification. But as Joe said, it's, it's setting apart. It's not just that we're free from guilt, but we're holy and blameless. But then there's position or progress, progressive sanctification. That's the stuff that is life, right? It's not always as pretty, but we're trying to make it pretty. We're trying to become holy. And then glorification will be saved from the presence of sin. That's the package. And, and I thought I'd share that with you. There's one more that I want to look at because it points to what I did on the whiteboard last week, and that is justification is a point in time. We can look back at a point in time in which we were saved. Now, some of you don't remember that point, I remember it was September 1971. It was a Thursday night, but I don't remember the date. Who cares? It was a point in time. It began. And if it hasn't begun yet for you this morning, it can begin. It's simple. It's yes to Jesus, what Joe was singing about, what we all were singing about. I've decided to follow Jesus. So it's a point in time. Then sanctification is our life after that point in time. It's how we struggle and how we try to become holy with God's help with his Holy Spirit. And then glorification, you see the arrow forever and ever and ever. God will wipe away every tear 
all sorrow will be gone. This body, remember Mike was sharing 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5, will be transformed in a moment and then forever and ever. So that's the package of salvation, three parts of it. And here's the cool part in terms of application. When we share the gospel with people, we don't have to give them the whole package. In fact, that's probably not the right, you know, it'll take too long, number one. And they may be focusing on afterlife. Or they may be focusing on, I feel guilty, I feel shame. And we can talk them in terms of justification. Now, we don't use that word, but we use the concept. You can be free from the penalty of sin. So when we share the gospel, that's the package. And we don't have to share it all at once, but we can share different parts of that package with people. Now, the second piece that I want to just kind of review and just put to rest was about body, soul, and spirit. And I got some good feedback and some people challenging me, and I love that. And it's uh, like I said, I don't know the difference between soul and spirit. I still don't. All right? I spent all week looking at all the times pneuma, that's the word for spirit, is used in the New Testament, 383 times. Now, I looked at almost, and I'm just going to say almost every passage. And Jay's not here this morning, but he's right. A lot of them are the Holy Spirit, but it does talk about our spirit. But how do you divide them? There's about 75 of those diagrams online, and they do it all kinds of different ways. But here's the bottom line. It's really material and immaterial, right? Body, what we have, and what we can't see. In fact, Paul goes from this tripartite, where he looks at three, to a bipartite mindset where he says, oh, we have the seen and the unseen. Or as he put it, we have the outer, which is decaying, and we have the inner, which is being renewed. And so you can divide it any way you want. Hebrews 4.12 says it's a dividing of the soul and spirit. Uh, you know, I don't quite understand that verse. I'm still working on it after 40-some years. But... The point is, we have what you can see and what you can't see. And that's important also. Because if you share the gospel with people, and I do that not every day, but on a regular basis, a lot of people that I talk to only believe in the material, don't they? What you see is what you get. They don't believe in the immaterial. And so we have to be aware of that, that, that we believe this isn't all there is. This life isn't all there is. There's something beyond. There's something more. And there's so much evidence, and that's a whole other message, but there's so much evidence that points to that. It's unbelievable. But as we relate to people, let's keep that in mind. There's the material and the immaterial. All right. So much for a review. And last week, let's talk about the priority of sanctification. And we'll turn to Hebrews, which we're going to look at, this was last week's message, and yet in this text that we're going to look at, we see the priority of sanctification. Pursue peace with all men, and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. Look at that verse again. Pursue, and that means track it down, go after it, be engaged totally, 
not just peace with all men, that's, that's the horizontal part of sanctification, right? But also, that sanctification that's vertical, being holy before God, without which no one will see the Lord. And that's why I said to you last week, this is a priority. Remember it was God's priority? God himself, Paul prayed. May God himself, the God of peace, completely sanctify you. May your whole body and soul and spirit be blameless at the day of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to look at the panorama panorama of sanctification. And that is this whole view of it that we can see. If uh, you've ever been to Gettysburg, I know, welcome back Tim and Pam and Justin and Talia. Look refreshed, praise the Lord. Good weather, hallelujah, good to see you, good to be back. Um, You guys went to Gettysburg, right? In the spring. Gettysburg, when you go into the museum, has a cyclorama. It's a 360 painting. Uh, And it's the last day of the battle, they say, but there are parts of the other days in it. And you can look around and see, and they have a light show and all the rest. I don't have a cyclorama here, all right? So, sorry. Panorama means we're going to look at a span of, of this doctrine, sanctification. We're going to see in Hebrews 12 that there are essentials to sanctification that the writer is talking about. Now, how many of you have taken... Uh, Pastor Tim's Leadership 101. Excellent, beautiful. Uh, And that was all about spiritual disciplines, right? How to lead yourself. And six weeks, I can't do six weeks in 20 minutes, so I'm just going to look at a few, but we're looking at the panorama. So today I want you to see this picture. I might call it the ABCs. Of sanctification. So let's get right into it. A, the Word. The writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he's talking about chapter 11. This is chapter 12 of Hebrews. And if you read chapter 11, he talks about uh, Abel and he talks about Noah and he talks about Abraham and Moses. He even talks about Rahab the harlot, and she's the only woman in that whole chapter, and it's all about faith. These people had faith, and we'll get to that. That's the second one, but this is the word. We need to know the word. We need to spend time in the word. Last week after uh, the service, I talked to Bob Corvo, just chatted for a few minutes, and he said to me, you know, Tom, you can preach and teach all you want. But unless you guys, and he was including himself in that, read the word and make it part of yourself, meditate, study, incorporate it, apply it, unless that happens, us guys up here, and I'm only up here once in a while, all our words fall by the wayside. That was a good point that he made. I said, Bob, can I share that with, with the congregation? Ding, 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 ding. Sometimes I miss the obvious, the simple. You and I have to be in the word daily, weekly, 
monthly. Mike and I were talking the other day. Has there ever been a, a week that you didn't read the word, Mike? And I thought of it myself. I don't, I don't think. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, you know. You're probably better than I, but I don't think there's been a week in my Christian life and a long time ago. Um, when I was a young Christian, a guy challenged us and said, will you make a covenant to be in the word every day? And I made that covenant. Now, I skipped days. So that's why I'm covenants in me or oh, I'm a little squishy with covenants because if you say it and you don't do it, Ecclesiastes says you're better off not doing it, Okay. My point isn't about the covenant. My point is I've been committed to reading the word. You've got to be committed to reading the word. Sanctification will not take place unless you read the word. All right, B, faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is all about. By faith, Abel. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. And then he says in verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. Possible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, what do I mean by this? How does it connect to the sanctification? It's a matter of faith. If you and I focus on who we are and all of our failings and all of our flops and all of our failures and all the times we fall, we get discouraged, won't we? Yeah, very much so. But it's a work of faith, sanctification. Yes, Lord. Remember Paul's prayer last week? May God completely sanctify you. Well, guess what? I went and read 2 Thessalonians. And right in the first chapter, he says, Oh, you guys are being sanctified. God's answering my prayer. Hallelujah. And so God does. That was an act of faith of Paul. And it has to be an act of faith for you and I. The word... We see promises there. We believe them. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul said, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Yeah, to go home, memorize that verse, meditate on it, and think about what it says. It's complicated. I'm not sure I've figured it out either, you know, because I have to walk. I have to do. I have to live in obedience, and yet it's Christ who lives in me. There's, there's a coming together. There's mystery. It's just like body, soul, and spirit. You're not going to figure it out this side of glory. There's mystery in it all, and there's mystery in how God is working in us, and yet we have to work. The two come together, but it's by faith. Maybe you're aware uh, a song that I like also, Lauren Daigle's song. Maybe you're there where she is. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. 
You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say I am yours. And what does she sing after that? I believe. I believe. I'm not going to sing it for you because I don't do good female voices. But you've heard it on the radio, right? I believe. I believe. I love that. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're just frustrated. Remember Rankin Wilborn last last week? I was exhausted at trying to do this because he hadn't figured out that Christ in me, the Holy Spirit helping me, it's not us alone doing this. All right, the ABC, here's the C. We need to take the long view. What does the writer say? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm going to ask Pastor Mike. I'm going to put him on the spot. You getting in shape for the, for the run? It's a process. All right. Fits right in. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm, I'm trying. I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm, I go down right by the office. There's uh, the Everett Road there, the uh, Sandy Road. I can't run on blacktop anymore, uh, so I run on sand, and I'll walk and then run. Every incline, I get my heart pumping because, you know, two years ago I had quadruple bypass, so I got to keep the blood flowing, and I'm getting there. Yeah. When you think about running, and I did run track, think about the long view, right? I ran sprints, 100 yard, 220, and 440. It was yards those days. That's how old I am. If I tripped in the 100 yard race, it was all over. It was done. Even the 220, I couldn't have caught up with those guys. Maybe the 440, I was done. But God has the long view. And when we think of sanctification, we have to have this God view of it, the long view. So if you get frustrated, if you get tripped up, if a month goes by and it's not very good, keep the long view in mind. Recover. Take that hand that Joe was talking about. Let him drag you up from the mud and get back to it. The long view. If I'm in a marathon race, and I, I, I ran 4.8 miles once. That was the longest I ever ran. And I was forced to. It was a track meet. We were at another school 4.8 miles away. And our coach said, eh, you guys did terrible. I'm taking the bus. You're running. <laughs> that was 1971. You can't do that today, you know. <laughs> yep. That was the longest I ever ran, and it's only because I had to. Now, I like running, but only a couple miles, all right? But it didn't matter. I got there. The long view, all right? It's a marathon. Life is a marathon, and this sanctification is a process. And just be patient with yourself. Don't beat yourself up. The devil will do that good enough, you know? Don't beat yourself up. Don't be lazy, don't go the other route and say, ah, yeah, I can wait. I can wait till next year and get this thing going. No, but look at the long view because that's how God looks at this. I want to tell you this just personally. Probably the last two years, God's been 
working on me on this sanctification. This, this, these two messages are, are the fruit of something God's been doing. And it's so two, th- three steps forward and four steps backward, you know, and that's just the way. Look at the long view, right? That's God's view. Some of you are, are doers. You're ferocious, fierce, relentless. You like to accomplish things. Sanctification ain't that, all right? It's just slow, plod through, and it's okay because God is patient. What did we start out with last week? When God had his plan for your life, your mistakes were no surprise. He knew you weren't going to be perfect. So just remember that in the long view. D, you have to look at the Savior. Looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the shame, despised the cross, and has sat down at the right hand of God. I memorized it in in another uh, version, so I didn't get it exactly right there. That's the ESV. Look to Jesus. Ponder, that's the word. And in fact, the word we get is analyze. That's the English word just transliterated into the Greek word transliterated into English. Analyze. What does it mean to analyze? Look at Jesus. Look at what he did. Look at his life. Every year I read the Gospels. No matter where I am, I'm in First Chronicles right now. I actually went to Second Chronicles today. That's exciting reading. It is. It really is. But I just can't stand the Old Testament. I got to read, and I read the Gospels every year. I got to read about Jesus. I got to learn about Jesus. When I read the Gospels, his life touches me. I see who he is. This week I've been, uh, I've been stacking my wood. And uh, thank you for those who stacked my wood two years ago. I'll never forget that. And uh, we might have to stack it for Donnie Meserve this year. Uh, it's a thought. He's in the hospital and... Uh, I think he's going to get out, but pray for him. Um, anyway, I have soft hands uh, all winter because I don't use them. And so when the summer comes, I want to rough them up. So I especially like stacking wood and especially oak. You get the splinters, you know, the oak splinters real quick. Yeah, you know, you get, and I got to pick them out. And sometimes I get the needle. And, and whenever I do that, I, I like it. It's... I'm not, yeah, whatever. I like it because it reminds me of my Savior. Because he had a crown of thorns on his head. And he was on a tree. It was a tree. Not a fancy cross done by some lumberman. It was a tree. And I imagine he brushed up again. And all the pain and that, that, that. That's what we remember when we remember communion, okay? Think about Jesus, not just his death, but especially his death because he went. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. I don't know if he was naked or if he was covered. Historians, sorry, historians uh, differ on that, but there was shame. He was God. God of gods. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he came, and he did that for us. Look to Jesus so you don't grow weary and lose heart. He's the one that we need to look to. All right, two more, and then we have communion. E is discipline. I'm going to read the text. It's not something we talk much about. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Now look at the words there. Discipline, reprove, and chastise. How would that lead to your sanctification? Well, the writer goes into, and you can read it. I'm not going to read all the verses. I don't have time to do that. But you can look at it and see that it's all about son and father. My father rarely disciplined me physically. It was just his word was enough. One time he had to. Uh, I had a chore, take the trash out at night. Because in the morning I'd get up late and I'd forget or I'd be late and then he'd have to do it. And so one night I was in bed, pajamas and all, and they came to my, my mom. She was the enforcer. They came to my bedroom and said, get up, take trash out. Oh, I'll take it out in the morning. Uh, you always say that, take trash out. Well, long story short, eventually I was, children don't do this, but I was defiant and said no, and dad put me outside in pajamas in October. 20 minutes, stubs out there. I'm not going to do it. And then it got cold and then I was shivering. And then finally I did it and I came back in and went back to bed. You know, oh my goodness gracious. But you know, when my father did that, I respected him in a way after that. It was wonderful. Dad and I had a great relationship. And that's what we're talking about here. Discipline. All right. Don't go looking for discipline. Is going to come. Sometimes when you drag and when you have that month where you're just not doing well, God's going to get your attention, okay? Sometimes he just taps you, and sometimes it's a whack with the two-by-four, and I don't mean that literally. I'm speaking metaphorically, but sometimes you need the, the two-by-four. You need to be shoved out the door and said, do it, and I did. And discipline is part of sanctification. Um, don't look for it. It will come. If you stay in obedience, I don't think it comes as much, but it's going to be there. In fact, if you read the King James, it's a very interesting translation. If you're not being disciplined, you are, and this translation says, an illegitimate son. The King James uses a B word. I'm not going to repeat it. Yeah. And we don't really know what that means. But what it means is you're not really God's child if you're not being disciplined. Now, that's a provocative statement, but that's what the Bible says, doesn't it? All right? 
So every once in a while, and I think God is so merciful and so kind. And let me parenthesize here, and I have to do this. Not every time that a bad thing happens means you're being disciplined. Please understand that. Did you hear me? Not every time that a bad thing happens does that mean that you are being disciplined. Some people have chronic health problems. It's just part of their genetic makeup. Was I being disciplined when I had to have quadruple bypass surgery? Mm. It was my genes partly, my diet, my life. I don't know. Don't, don't get messy with this, you know. Just here, here's the key. In order to understand discipline in your life, you have to have a great relationship with God. You have to be sensitive enough to him and his working with you so that, okay, that's discipline, Lord. Or no, that's just life. It just happened. God used to discipline me through my car. I had old cars for years. Good old 74 Nova, you know, six-cylinder straight. You know, yeah, well. And when he needed to get my attention, something went wrong. Yep, yep. Now, I have newer cars lately, so I don't, you know, he, he uses other means to do that. Discipline is part of it, okay? And the last piece is community. This is really interesting. And I got to end here, and I knew I would get close because we have communion. But verse 12, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Oh, we do this together. A couple weeks ago, I was at Central Maine Orthopedics. My wife's thumb was malfunctioning. We found out it's a tendon in there, and she got a little cortisone and da-di-da-di-da. She's doing okay. But I sat there in the waiting room and looked. People with knee braces, people with canes, people with all kinds of afflictions were coming in. I said, that's the church. That's us. Not physically although somewhat, but it's us metaphorically. Remember last week, we hobble at times. We're lame. And, and the writer here says, understand that about each other, support each other, and what's the end result if you do? Healing. The overarching title of these two messages is Be Whole. We need to be holy, but we need to be whole. And that's what God wants for us. If you read the rest of this, there are problems if this doesn't happen. Bitterness says don't come short of the grace of God because that leads to bitterness and defilement. God wants a pure church. He wants a church that's functioning. And by the way, I didn't do this announcement, but my wife was out there. We got a 55-plus group we want to start in the fall. So September 21st, if you haven't been given a flyer, we're going to have a gathering at the admin building, and we're going to try to do this, be community together. This is a healthy church. A lot of us, gray heads, white heads, and no head, well, no hairs, you know, <laughs> and, and that's, we got little kids, and we got teens, and we got 
millennials and Xers and Gen Y and X and Z and all the rest. And that's beautiful. Uh, my wife and I have just thought, well, you 30, 40 guys had a, a, a meal last year, so we're going to try to keep up with you. So September 21st, all right, we want to do community. And there are a lot of reasons for that, and we'll get into that at that meeting. You see, sanctification is comprehensive. Didn't I say that last week? But we can have confidence in it because God is in it. He wants it. He desires it for each one of us. But it's also all about community, all together. We're going to take communion and partake of the bread, partake of the cup, and we're going to sit as we do that. But what do you do when you take communion? What do you think about? Well, I'm just going to suggest a few things. Some of them already uh, talked about. And that is, think about Jesus. As he's the center of it all. But think about your own life also. Where are you this morning in terms of your sanctification? Or in terms of your justification? Are you justified? Do you know that you're going to go to heaven at the end of your life? I'm going to read to you from 1 Corinthians 11 and then suggest one more thing. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And I'm going to read the next paragraph. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's a strange thing, isn't it? That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So communion is a pretty serious thing. If you're not a believer, if you haven't been justified, then probably you shouldn't take it. If you are a believer... Set things right with God this morning. Perhaps something between you and a person. Perhaps between you and God. Set those things right. Say to God, I'm going to make it right. And be clean as you come. Now we're clean, right? Because of the blood of the Lamb. And yet we get dirty, so we need to ask forgiveness. If you need to do that in these moments, do that. Let's clap. <clears throat> and we clap because it is finished. It's done. He accomplished it. But it's ongoing in our lives. Christ living in us. Till one day we'll all be together in glory. Praising him forevermore. Without sin. Without frailty. Without all of this. Until then. We've got a lot of work to do in us and in our world. Father, thank you.
for the long view and the full view of your word and your plan and all that you want to do in us. I pray for each person in this room who knows you, who's a Christ follower, the same prayer that Paul prayed. May God himself, the God of peace, completely sanctify each one of you and me. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will do it. So we thank you, Father. We praise you. We honor you for your work and your ongoing work. And we ask that you might give us grace and mercy in each time of need to submit to you and to do the right thing, the thing that is right in your eyes. And we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Have a great week, folks.